0: To not know, to slow down, to be still, is to threaten the existence of this constant movement in the background, which is the ego, which is the sense of self and how things should be and what I want and you know, the dissatisfaction with how things are. And, and so when you take away all those toys, it gets very uncomfortable because yeah. it can't hide. And so this is where in the same way that you go into a dark room and all you need to do is open the curtain and the sunlight vanquishes the darkness, stillness and silence expose the ego in a similar sense. Yeah. And then when we begin to see this, the possibility becomes to not feed the loop over and over. In other words, it's like the nervous system and the mind there are these patterns that get reinstated over and over this is why people have the posture they have this is why they move the way they do this is yeah. why you know what your friend's going to say you know yeah. it's it all becomes pretty mechanical after a while you know and so freedom is waking up from the mechanism and seeing that you don't have to just play that out
1: welcome to the good life coach podcast Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the show. Joining us today is Derek Notman, who's been a guest on before. And I've, for this current season, been inviting back on some of my favorite people who I just feel like create a lot of awareness and a lot of grounding energy and just a lot to think about. And um, I feel like with so much changing in the world that we need a little bit more introspection and I couldn't think of a better person than Derek to bring back on, who is for over 30 years. You've been in the world of philosophy and understanding of life and, um, yeah, I just appreciate you. So I'm glad you're here, Derek. Mm,
0: Thank you, Michelle. It's really nice to be here. Um, always a pleasure and yeah, great to connect and chat.
1: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think we were going to talk about inquiry today, Yeah, but I want you to, to explain what that is. And I know that's very centered around the work that you're doing now, um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I guess you could say that inquiry is just the old tradition of um, asking questions to establish what it is that we can actually know, in a sense. It's the development of reason by reasoning. And so the power of inquiry is really it gives us a chance to recognize the unexamined assumptions that we frame our life around. And if you're encountering struggle and suffering and all these very human experiences, a lot of the time at the root of it can be simply a lack of continuity between what we imagine the world to be and what we're finding it to be. And so there's tremendous power in the willingness to look into how we're framing things up and maybe uh, getting more clarity on how we might have arrived at some of these conclusions that become defaults on our sort of perceptive filter of the world.
1: Yeah. and were you telling me this kind of dates back to Socrates or am I? Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Socrates. How, how is that?
0: Well, I mean, this is what Socrates did, right? He went around and he asked people how they knew what they thought they knew. And basically, this is the process of inquiry is to ask questions and reflect back to people some of their assumptions about things. And so Socrates actually considered himself to be a philosophical midwife, which was basically that through this questioning, he was helping people uncover false beliefs and to give birth to the truth, to recognize beyond these um, hearsay and other unexamined assumptions about you know what's deeper and so yeah this is what the whole platonic method of reasoning is all about it's about learning to by virtue of being um, logical and asking questions and pursuing reason to become more reasonable to recognize what's true and what's not what's what's false
1: What's interesting, though, is that this is not really an exercise of the mind as much as it sounds. Is that true?
0: Well, it's a great question. At one level, yes, it's totally true. And at another level, it's all about mind. But it's really about learning to recognize mind. But it's not intellectual in the sense of book learning. It's much more about being willing to feel and sense the physical body as well as being willing to sit with emotion and to recognize how sensation and story conflate to produce emotion. And when these three things come together, they induce trance states. And so a lot of what this work is about is helping people wake up from the trance that they're in and to gain more clarity in seeing the ways in which the mind can create um, you know, we all live in our stories about the world. We don't meet the world; we meet our concepts. Right. And so, in being willing to look into that and to check that out, there's a lot to be gained. Now, it's the kind of thing that one has to have uh, an inclination and a willingness toward, because mo- you know, people. What do you mean? What are you? What are you even talking about? Right? It's 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 so pervasive. Our um. Hearsay beliefs about the world and even things, you know, this sounds strange for folks, but it's like we think we're bodies, right? We think that our physical body is the nature and source of our being. But this is clearly seen through with some inquiry. And so, then if that fundamental assumption about the nature of reality is off, what else might not be true? And so, inquiry will, really is the willingness to be open but rigorous and to not allow yourself to just say, ah, you know, whatever, you know, it's this way because that's what I learned. Or, you know, it's really wanting to get at the truth and being willing to, um, not have any sacred cows to leave no stone unturned in the pursuit of it.
1: Hmm. Now you've mentioned truth twice. So are there fundamental truths or are there specific truths to your reality? Great Gosh, question. we've gone deep really fast. This is <laughs> it, right, right into deepness. Yeah,
0: um, it's a great question. I mean, you know, there's the objective world and there's the relative world, and in a sense, you know, there's relative truths, right? Things that we have to say, you know, look left and you know, I don't two plus two equal four or agreed upon terms, right? But when we step back and we look at a more macro level, like what is actually true. Well, truth is usually defined as what's real. And then so the question becomes, okay, well, what is real? And what is real is usually defined as that which does not come and go, that which is self-so. It's not conditional. Its being is of its own virtue. It's of its own beingness. Okay. And so everything that comes and goes isn't true. It's but a reflection. So, what about those
1: trees? So, like you're sitting and there's a forest behind you. I see these beautiful, really very grounded, strong, tall trees. Are they true? That's right. Well,
0: the relative, yes. They're yeah. here now, but they yeah. won't be here in a thousand years. Yeah. And so they're impermanent, just like everything is. Even, you know, we have the pyramids in Egypt, which are super old, right? You know, but they're impermanent. They won't be here forever. And so the nature of what's real is that it's not impermanent. It always is. Mm. And so then the question is, well, what's always here?
1: What doesn't come and go? And what doesn't come and go?
0: That's the question.
1: Well, Do you have an answer? Well, sure.
0: The answer is the silence and stillness and the emptiness out of which everything that does come and go arises. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you're going to have a play, you need a stage upon which to have it. So when we look into our own experience about what doesn't come and go, it's the sense that I am. Your beingness, that you exist, is known to you intimately, and it's known to everyone intimately. And even though the body changes, and I'm not the same person circumstantially, physically, as I was when I was 18, The sense of myself looking out from behind my eyes is the same. Mm. And so that I am, that awareness of my beingness doesn't come and go.
1: Yeah. How does that relate to the universe, right? There's all this exploration happening now and we're just seeing like the vastness and the darkness and the sight. Like, how does that connect? Especially since we're made of stardust.
0: That's right. But the universe and stardust and all that, they're all concepts. They're all creations. And everything that's created falls away. So even the universe is an idea that exists within the space of awareness and beingness. It's impermanent. It's also not real.
1: How is it not real, though?
0: Because it comes and goes.
1: But it's constantly expanding, right? I mean, there's billions, trillions.
0: Well, we don't really know, right? It's a story, right? It's, you know, but it was, we say it was born, there was the Big Bang, and then all right. this came into being. Yeah. So anything that's born dies.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's impermanent. It may play out over many millions of years that, from a human standpoint, seems like it's come on, that's long enough, right? Right. But the point really is that it's a concept. The universe is an idea that man has about the nature of things. It's not self-so. It's, it's conditional on somebody thinking it.
1: Okay. But millions or billions of people can agree on a particular reality or truth because we're all seeing it. Like, Right? I mean, yeah, but even it, if it is impermanent.
0: Well, but I mean, it's, it's, it's great. And this is why you have to be a little bit of a philosophy nerd to trudge through some of this stuff. But it's like, just because a million people say they see something, it doesn't make it actually true. Yeah. And again, we're in the phenomenal world with all our discussion, like you can't not be. So anything that's seen, even if it's seen by a million people, it may have happened in the perception of those million people. But the event will come and go. It's 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 impermanent, yeah. And so okay. it doesn't have reality at the objective level that I'm talking about. At the Got relative it. level, it does.
1: Got it. But that's you could also have distinction. Yeah,
0: that's right. And you could also have a million people all believe something, and they were all wrong.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. That. Yes. Yes. So then, Number of people that believe change. something, right. that's right. Right, yeah. just so this is right. where right. the it's world really is flat, and then they realize, yeah. no, the world is round.
0: That, or fashions change, right? If you look at the history of science and you see fashions change around speculations, medicine, all these things. <clears throat> Paradigms evolve and change and go in different directions because they're all impermanent. They're constructs. They exist in the ideas and heads of people. Yeah you know? So it's like, and again, I I appreciate that it can be a lot to parse out at first, but it's really like in the absolute level of what is true, what we can know, what doesn't come and go, what we see is it's only awareness. The awareness is the prima, it's the prima fascia thing that allows everything else to happen without awareness there couldn't be anything else but awareness isn't conditional on anything else yeah you see
1: i i do but then of course like i'm like okay we got i said we got deep really quickly and then it's like okay so if we're going to use inquiry let's make it more tangible and more relatable yes from like a concept thing to. Practice. Yeah. Do you consider it a practice?
0: Sure, it's a practice. It's it's a it's a practice from the standpoint of one has to apply the method, and one gets better at the method through the application of it. And so, you know, in this instance, to just to ground this in something more tangible, why do we ask questions around the nature of reality? It's because if you don't know what's real, then you don't know what's false, and then you're adrift right you how do you know and so so much of the suffering that goes on in the world is people are suffering because of their mental projections about the nature of reality and they're suffering a fantasy really it's their own thoughts and their own story and they're extrapolating it out to be a real structural you know true thing right but it's totally subjective and it's totally a function of their predisposition to cognize the world the way they do
1: right all right so let's break it down then so let's give i don't know can we give a situation a scenario something where somebody could take a real like everyday challenge and apply inquiry
0: sure um so you know god you could do it really about anything but let's say somebody has you know anxiety about speaking you know just just for lack of uh just for an instance the possibility is to look at the experience and to slow it down and break it down so as to see why that may be so so being somebody who didn't used to like to speak in public or you know raise my hand in class so much just being shy i can say that i had a story of oh i hate public speaking Just was in my head. My father didn't like it either. You know, it was just something I learned. It was something that I imagined was true. And so, because I had imagined that to be true, I would react around the possibility of doing it in a particular way, which is Mm -hmm. my body would get tight and uncomfortable. I'd start thinking about making mistakes. I'd, you know, and boom, I'd be fearful, emotionally anxious. And then I'd be in this trance around something that hadn't even happened.
1: And you get a physical reaction to all the thinking too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so what do you do? Well, you look at it, you know, you say, well, why are you afraid of speaking? What, what does it bring up? If you, if you are willing to feel into the experience of what it is and to notice, okay, well, yeah, when I think I've got to give a public speech, my shoulders get tight, my body gets, my stomach tightens up. If you actually are willing to take the process apart and get clear on how it happens, you gain some freedom over the experience because you're clear about how it happens rather than just having it all happen. So my shoulders get tight, my stomach gets tight. My head starts to race and I start to think bad thoughts. Then I'm feeling a background experience of fear and I'm lost in all these different sensations and stories and right. experiences.
1: Yeah. So of your course mind not, can go blank, right? Yeah. Think it, you're not going to remember.
0: Exactly. Because yeah. you're not present because you're at the effect of all these subconscious arisings that happen around this notion of speaking publicly, let us say. Okay. You know? But in pulling that apart and being willing to experience these things, and this is done through coached questioning and really sharing space in a, in a very particular way, um, it becomes possible to see how it works for you. In other words, how it is you become afraid and how you put up the resistance to the experience. And in seeing that and in the willingness to feel into it, to gain some control and clarity over the process, you gain the ability to make a different choice. I don't know how clear that came across.
1: No, it's clear. So, So let's stick with the same example then. So you are that person. You did have those feelings. Do you need the coach or could you just ask yourself like, wait, okay, I'm feeling tight in my throat. I'm feeling, you know what I mean? Whatever the physical sensations are like, what would be the, what, how would you do the inquiry on yourself? Like how would you start creating that awareness so you could start seeing it differently? Yeah. Great question. Cause obviously you did. I mean, you do, you do public speaking. So,
0: well, yeah, yeah. And, and, that was something that just evolved for me because it was necessary for my work and other things. But, but so I just used it as an example. It's not yeah. so much that this was how that worked for me, but uh, I guess it Had you had matter.
1: inquiry then? Cause you didn't have it then. So That's let's right. say you have had, had this I, tool. What would you have done?
0: Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So the way the process works is to a recognize what's going on. So if Let's say I had to give a speech that was coming up, and I had a lot of trepidation about that. I could just simply, okay, so what is here? What's it like in my physical body when I imagine that I have to give this speech? And feel into it. Notice what's here. Okay, my shoulders are getting tight. My stomach feels uncomfortable. I've got butterflies. And Get really clear on what's happening in the body, just observing it in a non-judgmental, non-attached way. Mm -hmm. And when you get clear on that, when you give that some time, then the possibility becomes to ask, well, what's the story? What am I telling myself about this? And this, you know, it could be different things for different people, but it might be, okay, I'm going to fail and embarrass myself, you know? Okay, yeah, there's the story. What's the emotional flavor of the experience? Oh, I'm, you know, it could be I'm angry. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be put in this situation. And then you might feel into, well, what's deeper than that? Oh, I'm afraid. I don't, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to be laughed at. And then the possibility is, okay, well, let's say you did mess up. Are you willing to, to feel what that could be like? And so in the willingness to bear it the loadedness that the imagination gives on the situation is dissipated yeah and it's like it's not the end of the world even if you make a mistake and so if you're willing to be open to the possibility and not be reactive and reflexively move away from it yes you begin to soften the edges on these imagined experiences and then you're, you know, the, the problem really is that most of the time we pinpoint, we we pinball around on reactivity, and so there's no clarity, there's no choice. It's just people are, you know, the, the analogy I use because uh, it's just real for me is it's like swimming and touching seaweed or the bottom, and you you kind of jump up from it, you know. Like we have all these boogeymen in our imagination around failure or something bad happening or this and that and we never really look under the bed to see if anything's there or not and so we live our lives moving away from these possibilities of fear and discomfort Mm -hmm. and it just compounds and it becomes more and more mental and it becomes more and more something that's never addressed and so it's you know the 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 legend of the boogeyman under the bed just grows and grows and grows.
1: Yeah. Creates limitations for yeah. your life and your enjoyment of life. Right.
0: Yeah. Because you have a story about something you have no idea about.
1: Right. You're making things up. Yeah.
0: And this is what's happening. So often is people are making things up in their head and they don't know what's real. And yeah. so they're moved about by these imagined stories and look, the real time ramifications of this are all around us in the world we're living in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: knowing what's real is, is quite important.
1: Yes. I think most of us are, are often in our heads. Like you said, either, you know, worrying about the future that hasn't happened or maybe, Somebody did have that bad experience and then they use that as reinforcement for how that's how it's always going to be. That's just how it is for you. You're not, you know, you don't have what it takes to that's right to get up there on the stage. You
0: analogize every new experience in terms of a previous bad experience, and they're not analogous, analogous. So it's just an error.
1: Yes, which could limit your ability to make friends or be in relationship with someone, right? Because you could just be like, oh, I always, whatever it is, attract the wrong yeah, person. And, and or uh, Yeah.
0: It's limiting and it's um, fundamentally inaccurate. So it's not very effective, meaning the situation isn't the same. and And so the possibility is rather than dragging the past into a new situation and trying to organize around that situation in the way you think you learned a lesson from the past, which is to not be present in that situation, the possibility is to be honest and not know and deal with what arises as it arises.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because the brain likes certainty, and you're talking about a lot of not knowing, which right. is not something most of us just readily invite into our lives. Like, oh, great. Let me sit with this not knowing feeling. That's not, that's right. Maybe that's where a coach is helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, a, a huge part of what happens in this process is there is a, lack of another way of saying it, an energetic transmission of stillness and silence and not knowing, of actually not having to move away from the discomfort. And so this is what's rare because we're all so conditioned to move away from the discomfort and try to act like somebody who knows something because that's the currency in the larger social world. Yeah, And so to tell the truth, which is that we have no idea what's going on really, yeah. you know, yeah. and we don't know what's going to happen in the next minute. And there really isn't security here and anything could happen at any time. Isn't all that popular, but it is honest.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's, I mean, I've experienced it. I've experienced sort of the, the doing the inquiry with you and being on the other side and, and just sitting in that, just like, state of like it feels like a meditation just quiet blissful like just peaceful and uh it's funny because even being there even though it feels so good the mind wants to get you out of that as quickly as possible and back into the familiar of the questioning and the worrying and all the other stuff
0: that's right the mind is the one that takes control or really the egoic structure and each and every one of us until it's seen through yeah and the medium is the mind and so that's right it's to to not know to slow down to be still is to threaten the existence of this constant movement in the background which is the ego which is the sense of self and how things should be and what i want and you know, the dissatisfaction with how things are. And, and so when you take away all those toys, it gets very uncomfortable because yeah. it can't hide. And so this is where in the same way that you go into a dark room and all you need to do is open the curtain and the sunlight vanquishes the darkness, stillness and silence expose the ego in a similar sense.
1: Yeah.
0: And then when we begin to see this, the possibility becomes to not feed the loop over and over. In other words, it's like the nervous system and the mind, there are these patterns that get reinstated over and over. This is this is why people have the posture they have, this is why they move the way they do, this is yeah. why you know what your friend's going to say. You know, yeah. it's it all becomes pretty uh mechanical after a while, you know? And so Freedom is waking up from the mechanism and seeing that you don't have to just play that out. And to do that, though, there is a disruptive period of not knowing and going against what feels familiar and all these other kinds of uncomfortable but deeply rewarding experiences that we tend to avoid.
1: Yeah. Would you be comfortable talking about inquiry as it relates to grief? Because, mm. you, with your recent situation, would you be comfortable sharing that? Or sure, yeah. Again, something like, and I do like to make it more tangible or real world, so that yeah, people have a sense of what the possibility is around yeah. using inquiry.
0: Well, yeah. So, you know, I, I had a, a dog that was just super beloved, you know, I've, I, I I love dogs in general, but this was a special dog and just, um, such a, yeah, I mean, just, uh, just loved her so much. And she died, uh, two months ago, maybe. And, uh, still just a lot of grief and, and sadness. Um, but, you know, and, and the I guess the recognition you know of being willing to meet the truth of that of her impermanence and um how deep the grief was and the and the sadness on her passing but when you look into it and don't move away from it and and um you know, go into a story about, oh, this sucks, or this isn't fair, or, you know, or, or, you know, there's a million ways you can move away from things, but to actually meet that grief, it's just love, you know, and so it's like, we can run away from these things, or we can turn into them, and see what's actually there, and so, like, yeah, it it's, heartbreaking you know i mean this morning my iphone had some picture of from six years ago of me and my dog you know broke my heart but the love that i felt for her and feel for her is undissipated by form you know like i can still feel her with me and so it's like so beautiful i feel so grateful to have Gotten to know that depth of love, and to still have that available in my experience, and mm. yeah, I miss the physical body, but that wasn't the thing, you know. And so it's like, yeah, the the willingness to meet the grief and to feel it and bear it is a doorway into its own transformation. Mm. And so it's like, again, grief is a word. What I felt when my dog died wasn't a word. And so it's like the, and it's really like that, meaning that all these words are placeholders for experience that we stop having because we run into the word and we imagine we know what it means. But if you go deeper into it and you have the experience of what the word is representing, it's not what you imagine it to be. Fears like this too. It's like again, it's the boogeyman under the bed. People will spend their whole lives avoiding a feeling.
1: True. Just be busy with their work or just constantly busy, so they don't have to actually feel what is. That's right. Present what's true, what is true. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there's
0: no way that that. I mean, so then you're persecuted by that feeling your whole life. Because it pursues you. What you move away from follows, you know? Yes, right. What
1: you resist persists.
0: That's right. There's no way out that way. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, really, my experience has been that you begin to see how the world is so upside down, and you start to be right side up. You start to see all this suffering that's coming out of people's stories and heads and thoughts and projections in all these things that are being avoided, you know, and, and again, it's like, look around at the world, you you know, I mean, the dysfunction of the world is a blessing and that it, it it should point us toward something deeper than just trying to win the game of life. Right. Mm. Because when you see how not only meaningless, but just uh, ineffective it is, right. We've got the smartest people and the, best positions trying to figure out all our problems and look at how it's going. Right. So, I mean, the point really is that there's a deeper play than what's happening in the world of materiality. Yes. And that's all fine and allowed. It doesn't have to be a this or that, but the reason we have philosophy, the reason we have these deeper traditions is that, Material existence isn't inherently satisfying. And so there's always been this deeper yearning for purpose and need and atonement and recognition. And so really the whole point of inquiry is to, well, you know, the whole tradition and philosophy was born out of the recognition that you can't trust the senses. Our senses deceive us happens all the time oh you think you see something you know you you know so it's like reasoning was sort of a way of establishing true north how can we really know well you you might have a an idea about something but you have to substantiate that idea to have it become a real belief let's say you know so it's like how do you do that you ask questions you understand why someone's saying what they're saying and you don't just take it at face value of the word. You know, you think about it all the time. People say, well, I want to be happy. Well, what does it mean? Happy is a word. What right. do you mean by happy? If you yeah. were happy, what would that look like? And if you don't ever ask those questions, you don't really know, you're living in concept. And mm. that's not a, nothing wrong with that. That's really what we do. I mean, it's what we're conditioned to do.
1: <clears throat> but
0: it becomes ultimately unsatisfying. And not for everyone, you know. And this gets into ripeness and karma and all these other things. But the really the purpose is to get is to bring to an end the suffering that comes with the confusion of misunderstanding.
1: Mm. You know, it's interesting, and it's a little not necessarily a tangent, but what's interesting what popped into my mind when you were talking about it. Um, did you watch the series Ted Lasso?
0: I have. Yes.
1: I love that show. Yeah, it was very good. It's so well done, but here's why I think it is so well done. So his character for anyone hasn't seen it is such, he's just such goodness and looks for like the goodness in others. And I was reading an article, um, short article from one of the producers and writers, like the main writer of the show. And she talks about how when Ted finds out that Rebecca, you know, the woman who owns the soccer, is trying to sabotage him, that she didn't actually bring him to succeed, but to actually to fail. She said a normal arc or expectation would be he would storm out and said, he says, why? Why did you do it? And he forgives mm-hmm.
0: her. And mm-hmm.
1: so I know that's sort of interesting, but like when you're talking, it's sort of like the habituated self or Way of being is to say, oh, wait, you know, uh, you're going to react, but in a moment you could actually just flip it and have more curiosity and ask why. But it's just interesting, so because that's like it's making me think of you know what I read because I was like, oh, I didn't really. But I think that's why we this show is so popular and why we love Ted's character so Mm -hmm. much because he's sort of an anomaly in terms of how. He handles even like the betrayal of whatever that young man that you know he's
0: yeah no that's mentored,
1: right mentored right he doesn't he doesn't yeah. act the way that you would think he would act
0: yeah no that's, that's very true that's yeah. right he's he's not just pinballing on usual emotionals responses or things.
1: responses right or yeah you've betrayed me so what is betrayal betrayal means I need to be angry and shun you right and you're out that's right that's yeah. exactly
0: right you, yeah. So often we just talk past each other and we don't know what we mean. And, and so, and, and, and that's common. That's clear out there in the world, but what's even more interesting is we do it to ourselves.
1: Yes. Yeah. We don't even have curiosity for our own selves. Right. And why? So we we get busy. We beat ourselves up. We shame ourselves instead of just sitting with and having some compassion and yeah curiosity but we what's going on why why are you afraid why are you angry why are you whatever it is right
0: that's right yeah yeah and and then the willingness to be with what's actually here and not tell yourself a story about what's here yeah and to not take to it know. personally yeah and to be curious yes and just willing to experience it it changes it, yeah. And it's 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 just a. It's an honest encounter with yourself, mm. rather than a movement away to keep busy from having to look at or feel something.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and also it's making me think of the Four Agreements. Mm. Getting the author's name, Don Louis. Um, Don
0: Louise, I think. Yeah,
1: right. yeah, exactly. I haven't read
0: it. I've heard great things about it. Oh, I, you, know I book, think you would.
1: I do think you would love this book. I've given it so many times, and then I, I, I feel like I never get to the end of it. I just need to like, or I have, but then like I need to go back. It's like I forget it every time. Mm, But one of the uh, agreements is don't make assumptions. That's right. Which is like freeing because it's actually a lot of what you're talking about is very freeing because when you're in the pattern or whatever. And you make an assumption, oh, so-and-so must not like me because they, whatever. Or, that's right. Yeah. It's, you go it's a into total these mental stories. projection. Yes. You can't, because you, you don't know. There's no way, only you can know your truth. You can't know someone else's. You can't, that's unless right. they're telling you straight up, right? I mean, so.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. And, and And even, you know, well, the whole your truth thing, but. But more of <laughs> the point is you just don't know.
1: Yeah. Okay. So
0: like imagining that you do is to bring something into the moment that doesn't belong there.
1: Yeah. It clouds it even more. That's right.
0: Don so, Miguel
1: Ruiz. That's, that's the right. Author's name, yeah, because yeah. I it's going to bother if I don't remember. Yeah. That's people should yeah. check out that book. That's a good book for. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. It's um, I mean, again, <laughs> This is not unique to any culture. It's not unique to any religion. Mm. This has been the human path to self understanding as long as there's been people. Inquiry really is a method of looking into what it is that we actually know. And it's liberating, not because you're going to learn something, it's liberating because you are going to unlearn a whole lot of things. You're going to create space by getting rid of what doesn't need to be there. This is not an arriving at an answer because the nature of our experience is that of a mystery. And anything we could conceive of about the world will not be the world. It will be a model about it. And so, you know, fire doesn't burn itself. What you see is not what you are.
1: There's a, uh, uh, we're, we're coming to the end. So I'm thinking of like something that would be useful to leave. It's funny because of course I need to feel the need to leave something useful, but that is that is at the heart of the show. I do like to like have people have something to think about. Um, There's a, you told me a little, like, I don't know if you call it a fable a story about the two monks who helped the woman cross the river Mm -hmm. or the one monk. Um, And I think that sometimes we have a hard time letting go of the stories and the, you know, the worry and all of that. And I love the story you told me. And I think that that might be a nice thing to leave people to, to think about if they're struggling. Sure. Cause it, it gives a, like a visual, which I think sometimes is helpful and it's also kind of funny.
0: Yeah, it's no, also, there's a lot, a lot of great teaching stories. Um, yeah. And so this particular one, is a story that has to do with um, attachment. And uh, the story is of two monks making a journey from one monastery to another through the jungle, through the forest in Thailand. Um, And one is an older monk and one is a young monk. And the young monk is very zealous. He's really going to get enlightened and wants to be really moral. And uh, the two are crossing a river. And when they come to the river, they see a young, attractive lady who is well dressed and is worried about getting across the river. And so the older monk gives her a piggyback across the river and puts her down. And then they go on their own way and they're walking for a couple of hours. And the young monk is quite agitated the whole time. And the older monk can tell, but he doesn't pay much mind. And the young monk eventually can't, Keep it in anymore, and he says, "How could you do that?" And the older monk says, "What are you talking about?" And he says, "You, you, you're not supposed to touch women, and you let that woman get on your back, and you carried her across the river." Da da da. And the older monk says, "I put her down two hours ago. Why are you still carrying her around?"
1: <laughs> I love it. I do love that because yeah. we are all carrying stuff, aren't we?
0: That's right. And so, really, inquiry is about putting down the burden. It's about getting right side up and seeing what's real and letting go of the false. And I know that can sound grandiose, but it's much simpler than those words might make people imagine. And it really is about the willingness to bear what's here and to be open and uh, you know meticulous and asking questions and not allowing yourself to just throw out loose labels around things and that's good enough
1: yeah and it's freeing
0: it's so freeing i mean that's the that's the reason to do it is that it will change the way you experience the world and reality and i say that based on my own experience and people that i work with and see what happens and it's so satisfying and again it's not because i'm smart or i have anything to tell them it's really about giving them an opportunity to recognize what they're thinking yeah. and to put down things that don't need to be there
1: yeah. And just to guide them and let them write, ask the questions. Yeah. That... yeah.
0: It's about asking questions and, and sharing presence and, and really um, stillness and silence and the willingness to not take things personally and to not need to know and to be able to rest in that space. And since that's the fundamental condition of being here, it's a useful place to be able to rest in.
1: Absolutely. Well, I hope, I think this is going to get people a lot to think about and the show notes will be over at the good life and a link. I can't remember if we've done one or two interviews. <laughs> it might've been I, two. Hey, this might've be your third one. I bring I back know. my favorites, So I'll link those in case somebody wants to go a little bit deeper too, and just, just take more of this in. I, I know we, we go deep on these, like right from the, right from the beginning, but that's, that's philosophy, right? That's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah. It's, you know, and,
0: and. I guess the last thing I'd say is don't let the philosophy intimidate you. It's not about that. And really it's a simple and doable process that the point isn't intellectual. The point is experiential and about changing how you experience the world. The reason there's such a mental component is that's largely where we experience the world.
1: Absolutely absolutely and Derek what's what's the website people can find you uh Uh
0: d-e-r-e-k-n-o-t-m-a-n
1: perfect um so good to be with you again and Likewise. thanks for your time today it's really um it gives a lot to think about every time I love it I like uh, I love thank this you, Michelle. Such a pleasure. <laughs> thanks Derek thank you